0: You're listening to Pod.
1: Welcome as we, Portia the Lifelong Fan and...
0: Amanda the First Time Reader...
1: Discover the books of Agatha Christie.
0: We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. Doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries.
1: In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all.
0: Hi, everybody so so it's been you heard a while our recording of our recording of mr quinn number one and then we did our recording with our mother for the 13 problems mm-hmm. um, and then we had a lot of things happen in life yep a
1: lot of things happened in uh december of 2020
0: <laughs> december of 2020 and early 2021 um so the following episode is um, was initially recorded in November of 2020 and then we didn't weren't able to publish it right away because life right and so this this following episode is the first few discussion of the first few stories or the second the last oh man (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot first half of the second half the first portion of the second half help me portia
1: right and then a month goes by and then we do the last two stories for i think an hour and a half on just the last two
0: stories so um there's a lot it's a it's a it's there's a lot there's a lot we love you guys thank you for listening to us please please Listen to this is this is the first part of the second half, of Mr. <laughs> Quick, and we will Port get the proropod and go. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Hello there. Well, hi. Well, welcome to another fabulous podcast with the hall sisters oh,
0: we're fabulous are we yes well, <laughs> it's i it's like your confidence.
1: it's a it's a dark and cold november night so we have sure to do it something is.
0: it is it is really co- cold and dark
1: so you know you have to do something to liven it up you know
0: so and what better thing to do on a cold dark night than to review or talk about the second part of the mysterious mr quinn which is so good <laughs> i yep. am so excited about this book and i'm excited to get into part de part de
1: <laughs> all right and yeah and because it's interesting um the more we learned about mr quinn we started talking about some of the things that were kind of revealed in the second half but when you go back and talk to the first half it look through the first half you're like oh you know but now I... we're getting to the point where it's actually being um, revealed.
0: So the, the first story of our second part of this series of the Mysterious Mr. Quinn is... The Man from the Sea.
1: Which, of course, who is the man from the sea? Um, there's is questions. The question. yeah, yeah, there's questions. So the basic premise is uh, Satterwaith is again traveling because he's never home and he's traveling in spain
0: he it is and it's interesting because he kind of is melancholy at the beginning like oh everybody else goes the riviera why didn't i go to the riviera blah and he's he's having feelings
1: old again is this another one where he was like everyone i'm old and everything's sad yeah you know he did that at the beginning of a couple of these for sure i think this one for sure Mm-hmm. But he was walking around and leaving the hotel and there's this villa that was up on a cliff that overlooked the sea. And apparently there's a famous story that uh years ago a a dude d- drowned at the bottom of the cliff. He didn't fall, but he drowned. Um, um and so there's that, that had happened. Um and Satterwaith um was had enjoyed walking over to this villa and he would talk to the gardener and the gardener was friendly and he would just hang out at the villa and he never knew, you know, who lived there. He was just like, it was a cool villa to apparently walk by.
0: And he would kind of fantasize about like who lived there. Like it was a former, you know, prima ballerina that was no longer beautiful who was hiding there. So no one would know. Like he made up all these different fantasies about who really lived there. That's right, Um, yeah. Just just to kind of make up the story. And he never asked the gardener who really lived there because he kind of didn't want to break that imagination that he had, that fantasy that he had around it. So he
1: runs into a dude um, who's annoyed. Or actually, he was there hanging out, just looking at the water. And somebody walks up and is like, damn. I think he actually said, damn, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Satterwaith described him as young and then said well he wasn't that young he was like in his early 40s right but he seemed young and so you know that's again you know this idea of what's old and young um miss christie has often been all over the place but clearly saturday yes. has been in his 60s and he actually ages because i think in the early ones he says he's 62 and in the later ones he says he's 69 so yeah like, no he
0: he, re- he ages kind of chronologically
1: (laughs) um and then but so he describes this guy as young but he's like he's not actually young but he's young like he hasn't
0: he has a lift stuff yeah and then he also so the the story initially starts out with mr Satterweight. hey i did it you did it um seeing this scene with this dog where Mm. a dog is like happy and enjoying life and then he sees something smelly and he goes and rolls in it and he's just loving being a dog and then a car hits him and before he dies he looks at Mr. Satterwaite and is like how could you cruel world world that I trusted how could this happen to me and so when he meets this young man out on the cliff he he sees some analogous like signs in him and he's like the the way he interprets this young man's behavior is you've had a very almost animalistic life. Like you just enjoyed the pleasures of life. You haven't had to think about anything. Basically you've been privileged and you've Mm -hmm. just been able to go around doing whatever you wanted. But now he had that heartbroken look that the dog had. Like, how could this happen to me? Right, right. I forgot about the dog. And so he a couple of times analogizes this young man to the dog. Both in his like lack of sophistication in his life. And then now he kind of had this look of betrayal. And
1: then it comes out that the guy has been diagnosed with a terminal disease. Um,
0: and has six months to live.
1: And that's why he came to the cliff because he was going to throw himself off. But then he has some regrets about his life. Cause he said, I never had a son. Um, and then the one thing he doesn't share because he ends up opening up and telling Mr. Satterwhite his whole story. Oh, and well. the, uh, early on, he said, I've come out here a couple of times to do this. And the first time I came was this tall, dark man who looked like he had a Harlequin outfit on. And Mr. Satterwaite is like, oh, I'm supposed to talk to you then.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So yesterday, Mr. Quinn was here to keep you from killing yourself. And today it's me. Got it. And that's why. Like, and it's interesting because Mr. Satterwhite easily goes into he, he anticipates these roles, and he's like, okay, this is a, this is a role for me from, from Mr. Quinn. I know what to do now.
1: Right, and this is the first time it's not even like Mr. Satterwhite didn't even see Mr. Quinn. Like, mm-hmm. if somebody else did and Mr. Satterwhite is like, oh, you saw him? Okay, cool. I know what to Got do. Got it. Like, I know what's going yeah. on. Yep and so yeah where- right
0: and, and and as we see these stories progressing which is one of the things i think is so magically well done about them is that progression like at the very first story mr quinn does all the talking and then this is where it starts to be like just mr Setterway's like knowing that mr quinn has been there helps him know what to do next right? right and then and then in in future ones he's like i looked at the chair where he might have been You know what I mean? I I thought of what he might have said if he were here. So he's sort of like, and I thought about that in terms of like, even just friends in my life who are good for me. And, you know, at first you need them nagging you in your face and you're like, Amanda, don't do that. Or Amanda, do this. Right. And then as you get better and better, you're like, what would she say to me if she was here? Right, and so I just, right. I just, I found that actually like very meaningful because I was like, yeah, okay, what would my therapist say to me if she was here? <laughs> right, as you get right. better and better at things, right, right, you're like, okay, yeah. I know what she would say to me. I know which how she would see the situation, so that it helps me see the situation that way.
1: Right. So, um, so that yeah, this is the beginning of Saturday. Yeah, just the hint of Mr. Quinn has been there. He's like, oh and it and it allows him to take a more active role in his life, where you know him being kind of stuck in a rut of just a rich guy who goes and appreciates art, which isn't bad, but he doesn't have a family, he doesn't so he feels old right and so but then, when Mr. Quinn comes along, he's like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be making a difference in somebody's life right um so uh and the catalyst is this where we uh, learn talk about who talks about definition of catalyst? So yeah,
0: because when when the young man or the <laughs> I like that the, the man who's forty is young, I'll go with that. So yeah. when the young man says, "Oh, yesterday I was here, and, and you know there was this man here, that's when Mr. Quinn says, "Oh, I no, excuse me, Mr. S says, "Oh, that was Mr. Quinn." Do you know the concept of catalysis? Um, that's who he is. He's he's a catalyst and when he's around things things change. And so he says it to the young man as a concept. That that's where the book teaches up that concept of him, of him being a catalyst.
1: Yeah, and so obviously Mr. Satterwaite has that's how he's come to terms with Mr. Quinn.
0: It's like he can't hang
1: out with them. They don't call each other on the phone. They don't make dates. He's just a catalyst who shows
0: up. and yeah. clearly,
1: Mr. Satis- and, Satis- so, Satis- yeah, and so, yeah, and
0: I think this. I wrote down how he defined it. He says, "Catalysis is a chemical reaction depending on the, su- on its success on a substance for its success." Okay, try again. <laughs> <laughs> a chemical reaction depending on a substance for its success, on the presence of a certain substance which itself becomes unchanged or remains unchanged, and then Mr. Quinn. Presence is a sign that things are going to happen where where he is strange revelations come to light discoveries are made and yet he himself takes no part in the proceedings so just Mr Quinn's presence makes things happen but he doesn't actually involve himself in them right so he kind of makes it more deliberate for the audience
1: and then the question that we were asking is he an imaginary friend is he um. A ghost? Is he, you know, what is So many is he? questions, yeah. So, um, and then the one thing that the guy, the young man, we'll just call him the young 40-year-old man, um, doesn't answer is Sadoway said, why here? Because right. he was British. He was a British guy, and they're in Spain. Right, and they're so- in
0: Spain, and he was sort of like, because like Mr., even Mr. S was like, why am I even here? I should have went to the Riviera. So then this random British guy is about to throw himself off these cliffs, and I was like, "How did you think of here to go when you heard you that you you know had six months to live?" And he said something about I had been here when I was young, right? But he doesn't so really answer. He doesn't really answer it, and then so he goes off like, "All right, well, I won't kill myself today because it would look like you threw me off, but you know tomorrow I'm going to come back, and you know you better leave me alone then." Right. So he goes away, and Mr. Quinn's still sitting out there, and then he kind of like looks up at the villa. And he's, like, you know, nosy. And he just, like, wanders up. And he's just, like, you know, I've always been curious about this house. And then he goes along and he actually tries one of the shutters just to, like, snoop in the house. Because it looks like it's an abandoned house. It looks like no one lives there most of the time. Like, it's shuttered up. And he tries one of the shutters.
1: And although they do clearly have a gardener that
0: takes care of it. Right, there's the gardener. Right, right. It's not abandoned, but it doesn't seem to be habitated. Right, right. So he tries one of the shutters just to peek inside the house and then it opens and there's a woman there like, can I help you?
1: <laughs> Actually,
0: no, he, at first he thinks
1: um, uh, that it's a Spanish woman and he's like apologizing in not Spanish because he can't think of any.
0: Right, he was like German or <laughs> just trying out different languages.
1: And then she says, come back in English. So it turns out magically, because this is magic, Um, that even though we're in Spain, everybody in in the story is English.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So she's like, okay, that's okay. That you were being a weirdo and kind of peeking in my house. Come in and let me tell you everything about me.
1: And then that quote, this is the one where she says, uh, you're half a woman. So one could say anything to you.
0: Right. So right away, she's like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. You wanted to look in here and um, I, I just need someone to talk to anyway. And you're a half a woman, so I can say anything to you. So let's talk. And just like, she just looks at him and knows that she should pour her heart out to him. Right. He barely says anything.
1: And then she says, he says, how long have you been here? And she says 20 years and one year.
0: Yeah. And he says, Oh my gosh. That was the other quote I wanted to write down. He, So she says, yeah, I've owned the house for 20 years and I lived here a year before that. And he says, such a long time. And she says the 20 years or the one year. And then he's like, it depends on how you look at it. And once you hear the story, it's so true. Cause basically we'd heard the story before of the person who died, you know, in the water below the, the person who drowned, um, and she was his wife, so she had been his young wife. He brought her there as a young bride, and he had drowned, um, you know, swimming or whatever, showing off. And she was saying, "Can you imagine anything sadder than that? Uh, a young bride, you know, having to watch him, him him drown from up on the cliffs and not being able to help." And then Mister S was like, "No, I couldn't imagine anything sadder." He She was like, "What if you wished him dead? What if like, you?" What were- if you- you were
1: watching it, and you wanted him to drown that sadder
0: <laughs> right, and so yeah. what you found out is that he was crazy and abusive and terrible, and so when he starts to drown, she has this existential crisis, like God, please don 't let me wish him dead because i don 't want to be that person, but also let him die right like she 's just having this moment, and so when when the you know servants and everyone saw her praying, they thought she 's praying for his safety, but she 's also praying just like don 't put me in the situation of me wishing him dead." But he's an abusive asshole right. so i kind of do and so that's why it's so poignant when you think about that statement like what a long time the 20 years or the one year it's right. like, it depends on how you look at him right because that one year was so terrible for her and then since then the 20 years have been long but not so long
1: right right and then apparently after he died so she's still staying at the house um, a young British guy comes, sneaks in the shut. Oh, they, oh! They run into each other outside the house.
0: Right, and, and she she's pretends, at this point. Right, she pretends to be a Spanish girl and that she doesn't speak English, just because and that just she just like
1: doesn't live in this fancy house.
0: Right, so she yeah, she pretends to be like a local village girl, not in this fancy house, and and basically because she couldn't handle. Trusting someone at all. She couldn't actually get to know a British guy who, you know, was her equal or whatever. She just had this like wordless romance where she's pretending not to speak English and he doesn't speak Spanish. So they just basically like snuck into this villa as if it was somebody else's, you know, vacation home and they snuck in and like made love all over the place, even though it really was her house.
1: And I love how, you know, she does the 1920s thing of explaining that they had sex without saying that they had sex
0: you know? i think that's why i just said made love because she said right. things like that which is like well, a really creepy thing for me to say right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i didn't even think
0: she said made love oh i don't know what she said
1: I, I don't even think she would have was that explicit i think it was even less where i i think the first time i read it i'm like Wait, she had a son. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, they did it (laughs) right. Like I had to go back and be like, "Is that what that meant?" You know. (laughs) So, but um, yeah. So
0: basically, she sleeps with this guy, and then he wants to meet up again, and she ghosts him.
1: Totally, but he's on vacation,
0: so she he leaves, and then um, she has a son,
1: and then she was happy with the son, and he's now. 20 or something or 19 or 20 and um, and uh, is doing well and, and wants
0: to get married. He's engaged.
1: He's engaged and she wants to kill herself because she doesn't want him to find out that he's what, right. He they-
0: recently found out something about one of his friends being illegitimate and it like was devastating news or like basically something found out something happened so that she found out if he knew he was illegitimate because basically she said something like, Oh, your dad died before you were born. She didn't say I slept with some, I slept with some, you know, <laughs> random guy who was just visiting <laughs> some vacation trade. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Basically um, I was mama Mia, but you know,
0: yeah. But yeah. So she, she told him, Oh yeah, your dad died. So she, she realizes that he's going to be devastated if, if he knows that he's illegitimate. And so, um, she's gonna throw herself off the cliff because it, then they'll focus on the accident and they won't focus on you know whatever his his history is and then he's gonna be happy. So that's her plan,
1: which is stupid, but
0: okay, which is stupid.
1: <laughs> but um, anyway, so and then of course you know, so she
0: pours all see- of this out to this weirdo who was just peeking in her windows, and she's like, oh, hey, weirdo, let me tell you everything about me and how I'm about to kill myself.
1: Which And so he had two different people tell him both halves of the same story um, mm-hmm. uh, within, you know... An and hour. we
0: don't know that about the young man yet, about that that he's involved with her, but he does a couple of times in their first conversation, sort of look over wistfully at the at, villa.
1: That's right, right, that's right. And the whole, like, why did you come here? And he's like, no reason, I came here once, you know. Right.
0: But the whole thing with Mr. S is that he has a... a a lot of intuition and Mr. Quinn always helps him build up that intuition again, as that good friend where he's like, you know, the truth, so go with it. So at this point, Mr. S is getting more confident. So he's like, all right, I know what's going on here. I know I was sent here because clearly that's the guy. He doesn't question himself a lot on this one. He's like, okay, that's the guy.
1: Right. Right. And then, you know, so,
0: so when he leaves the woman, he says, do me a favor and leave that same shutter that I tried open and hold vigil at that window tonight. Just, just for me. And then you can kill yourself tomorrow if you want to.
1: Right. And then, cause he knows that the guy was going to come back that night and try to kill himself. But if, if that guy is the guy who f- um, slept with who he thought was the Spanish girl and he sees the shutter open, He's gonna try it just because um, and it works, and and, and yeah, and then he actually other.
0: does that he runs into the young man, and he's like, "Hey, sure, kill yourself, whatever you want to do, but before you do, just go check that shutter real fast right. so he he like pushes him on right. both end he- t- he sets it up, and so the, of course, the young man's gonna do it, so then the next day he's like, "Well, I'll find out if there's two bodies in the ocean or." And then the woman comes running up to Mr. S and like kisses him a whole bunch of times. And is like, everything's perfect. We're going to get married. My son's going to have a father. We're going to, you know, be the and, parents and, at the wedding. And, and then I'm not like, going to let him die.
1: Right. I'm going to, he's not going to die because now I, I'm here and I'm going to help.
0: And she's like, are you kidding? I won't let him die. I'm going to do everything I can. So he won't die. Cause like now that I've found him and, and one thing she, we didn't talk about, but like when she describes this, her baby that she had, she said that basically through having the baby, she fell in love with the father. Cause like, it was a one night stand basically, but she felt like the baby was so different from her that he must have had his father's personality. And that like through raising the baby through the kid that she fell in love with the man. So she was, she felt like she was in love with this man all these years.
1: Right. And it's an interesting because I often, you know, Agatha Christie's basis of relationships, as we've talked about, has been problematic. Um, and so first of all, she tricked this dude basically into sleeping with her by pretending <laughs> to be a Spanish girl. And then secondly, and so that's a, you know, that's a great basis for a relationship, but then secondly, um, And I guess I'm saying this because, you know, when you are talking about that you're falling in love with someone because of his genes, you know, like you could see the genes of the person, you know, and...
0: I mean, uh, you're making a lot of leaps there because, again, like, my personality is neither my mother's nor my father's. Right. So if someone, like, fell in love with me and was like, therefore, I love your father or therefore, I love your mother, it'd be like, well... I mean, there's traits that are similar. Right. But... I don't right. know if you could like, you know, yeah. So there's a lot of that. But on the other hand, I feel like both of these people, okay, let's say these two people in their forties who basically have never been in love, never been in major relationships, either of them. Right. Cause he's out being a fuck boy till he's 40 until he got a diagnosis. And she was, you know, being a kind of having, just being a mom and like kind of being asexual. And so like, I actually could buy it because Based on the child, based on having a child together, and based on having this hole in both of their lives, I could see them having chemistry. I could, right. for some reason, that one doesn't not work it for doesn't. me. But I can yeah. see on your side what you're saying that it's completely problematic and probably terribly toxic. <laughs> but also, it worked well, for me. But that probably you know, says a lot of I'm things not, about I me.
1: Have a Problem with the <laughs> relationship. Um it's just, you know, the whole idea that you can find out what the parent is like by looking at the genes, you know, and I guess I'm saying that as a parent, where I'm just
0: Yeah, like, no, again, like, yeah, I, I feel like if anybody was like, oh, I I could love your father based on how you act, I'd be like, well, I mean, I have these traits in common with him, but in lots of ways I'm different than him, and, yeah, lots right, of ways I'm and, my own person. Right. And that and, is, that's a good point.
1: So, but, you know, the idea that maybe they did fall in love during that period of time that they were together, even though she was lying to him.
0: I mean, I think um, it was a one night stand. So I don't know if you can fall in love with <laughs> one night stand, but right. I do think, okay, let's just say 20 years later, it's infatuation based on the fact that they're both suicidal and have a kid together and have a new lease on life based on the right. fact that like, okay, there's right. someone who might love me and we have the connection for a kid. So it might still be a terrible reason to get together. But I, but I think it's realistic that they would both like jump, you know, wholeheartedly and like lesbian U haul into this, because <laughs> it's like, okay, now I don't want to kill myself anymore. Now you're my new reason for living. Both of right. them.
1: Right. And as somebody who had to, you know, started a relationship and a family in my
0: forties, there you is do a, it fast.
1: You do it fa- well. Yeah, I did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, i was it. you do, right? In your 40s, you're like, all right, let's do this.
1: <laughs> but also, there's a kind of a calmness to it that was different from when I was falling in love in my 20s.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, of, uh, I don't know how to explain that except for to say calmer, you know, because um, Because you've
0: had a lot of ups and downs already. So, like, the emotional and hormonal ups and downs, you're like, yeah, yeah but I know what this is like, right? Like, you just... Yeah. You had more resilience.
1: Right. And then also more like, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, I've had a life and both of them were willing to end theirs, Uh you know, and so the idea that this new lease on life in their forties, I was relating to that quite a bit because of course I did, I got a new lease on life in my forties.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And that's why I did, I did find it somewhat realistic, although I can see what you're saying cuz they still barely know each other. <laughs> they right. slept together one night 40 years, or 20 years ago. <laughs> so right, right. I see what you're saying. So who but, knows in in a year if we check back on them how's that going? <laughs> how's that going right. guys?
1: <laughs> but hopefully it works out because of course, you know, they might be like, "Hey, my other choice was suicide." So, you know. And yeah. she had a crappy marriage and it sounds like he's had a lot of like short relationships you call right. him a fuckboy, boy which yeah i get the christie would never use that language but he clearly <laughs> was a you know he didn't settle down she
0: and... called him a dog a literal dog who wants to like fair, roll in heat f- so i like, basically fair. i think that's 1920s for fuck boy yeah fair enough <laughs> um
1: and so yeah that now that he's, like, like and like in
0: dog in the fact that like the narrator describes or mr s describes like in, in being a dog meaning that like just seeking the moment's pleasure like not thinking in the long term just sort of like i'm enjoying this stretch right now i see something delightfully stinky and i want to roll in it like that's how she sort of analogized his life
1: right right which is yeah calling him a fuck boy
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and then it was interesting because all of this happened mr s arranged all of this and then at the end mr quinn shows up and he's like oh hey i did it <laughs> You know, like, he didn't (laughs) have to talk to Mr. Quinn for anything. The only thing was, is that that Mr. Quinn explained who sent him this time. Right,
0: right. Because he said, yeah, he, I guess I don't know exactly what Mr. S asked him to get him to say it, but he was like, as you have noted before, sometimes you've said that I speak for the dead. And then Mr. S is like, wait, who's the dead you're speaking for? And he was like, well, that husband who drowned, like sometimes love makes you be the worst. And he did love his young wife, but because she was weak, it brought out this totally toxic, uh, this is not her language, because we weren't saying toxic back then, but, you know, it brought out this really toxic side of him because she was young and innocent. And so he picked on her. And so he always felt bad about that. And I think he wanted to bring her happiness. And so this was that dead man's way of like, fixing what he had done to her and so he that that abusive husband who died is the one who sent mr quinn in this case right and And so that you're right so that's the first time that um mr quinn owns the fact that he has a relationship with the dead
1: right and so we start to see him he's like admitting i'm not human and then at the end of the story oh because we forgot to say that when he first appeared and foiled the first suicide attempt apparently he didn't walk to the cliff he just appeared and then when mr s is leaving the cliff to go back down to the hotel he's like you coming with me and mr quinn's like no i'm going the other way and so and the only uh,
0: only other way is like off a cliff into the ocean
1: Right, and so it's like, okay, you're telling us that you're you're not human right so um but uh so that was the first admitting that
0: there's something definitely supernatural going on with mr quinn
1: right, right, so I liked this one the um and uh, so I, I yeah, of the stories um I'm trying to think of, but i I think i. Mm. I enjoyed this one and, and I think I enjoyed it more now than I did when I read it when I was younger, because as I said, it was more like life begins at 40, you know?
0: Right. It's yeah. It was so easy for me to imagine now, like to find this in some ways realistic, like, right. like Oh yeah, you're in your forties and you're sort of like, well, let's call it. And then like, Oh no, new lease on life. You could see how people right. could have that perspective.
1: Oh, totally. Both. Yeah, exactly. Both. Within, yeah, totally. So.
0: Okay, so then the next story is The Voice in the Dark.
1: And this is one of my least favorite ones.
0: Yeah, I see that your notes on this are pretty not so happy about this. Of doesn't like this one. So, in this case, um, this lady, who is well-bred and all the things, and so, so, you know, throughout the books, throughout the book, throughout the stories, um, Mr. S., it's reinforced that Mr. S knows people who are countesses and ladies and yada, yada. And so she, this is a, a well-bred lady who um, is beautiful, unscrupulous, completely callous, interested solely in herself. But, you know, she's a friend. Right. <laughs> and, and, and she's, she's interesting. Had a
1: bunch so. of, and she's had a bunch of uh, husbands.
0: Yeah, she's had all the husbands. And her newest one is very young. And so basically she calls over Mr. S and is like, I'm worried about my daughter. I think it's her youngest daughter. And she's got a know. bunch of different kids from a bunch of bif- different baby daddies, but in a rich people way. So it's not judged. Right. Right. Cause somehow
1: it's okay. But, um,
0: but basically um, her daughter has been hearing voices and she's like, Oh, she's going to be certified. I can't deal with this right now. I have, you know, a regatta gala to plan or whatever. So she doesn't have time for her daughter to be crazy. So she sends over Mr. S to see what's going on with her crazy, crazy daughter.
1: And then on the train back from, cause she was, this was in the Riviera because mm-hmm. he's never home, but he's on the train going back to England. Um, Mr. Quinn's on the train and then Mr. Satterway tells the background of this lady, um, that he knew her as a girl with her older sister and they were friends together, but then there, they were in um, a shipwreck um, when they were kids and the older sister died and then a bunch of other people died. And then that's how um, lady what's her face. Oh yeah. And that was
0: one of the important points is that this lady has one of the few titles that can be passed on the, matrilineal line
1: so like so a
0: lot of titles can only be passed from you know to boys but this title can be passed to girls as well and so like it was sort of like they were very distant to this title but because of a lot of relative dies relatives died and then they were in the shipwreck where the parents died and her sister died this woman became lady as a child she she inherited the title as a child
1: yeah i'm trying to think yeah. was uh, Did she come in as a child? Yeah, I can't remember exactly. She, yeah, she, yeah, she was a child. Okay. Um, and then she, yeah, so she's got all these husbands and, and then she sends and she complains about the fact that she has a grown-up daughter and how it's like it's again another of the themes where using everything in her power to look as young as possible and have right. men as young as possible hang out. So like the croupier story from last time but there's a couple of times about this about people who are um women who are <coughs> hiding how how old they are right um right because this, so this she,
0: woman is dating a young guy who's clearly dating for her for her money but she doesn't care right
1: um and so she but she's complaining about the fact that she has this serious uh sensible daughter who's grown up but who's hearing voices but she tells and then satterway tells the whole story to mr quinn and quinn says hey i'm gonna be at the bells in motley which is unusual because quinn usually is like hey i'm here for a second and now i'm gone mm-hmm. so quinn says i'll see you i'll be somewhere you can actually find me which is unusual right
0: so so then Mr. S goes and he meets with the daughter who's like, yeah, I have been, you know, hearing someone saying, give back what's not yours. Something right. like that. Yeah. Give like back this. what
1: you've stolen. Give back what's not yours. Yeah.
0: So she's hearing these voices at different times and like no one believed her at first. But then recently it happened where her maid heard her the voice happened and then felt someone brush past when there was no one in the room so at least there's someone else who's observing the phenomena
1: right and then um so they're trying to figure this out because she can hear she's heard and then she did have um feel something being pushed against her throat and then she had a mark on her neck
0: and oh so yeah. it's not
1: a dream right right and then she gets this um letter from her mom who's still in the riviera who says thanks for the chocolates uh, you didn't need to send those man i've been super sick right food poisoning and mr saturday is like uh, and she was like that's weird i didn't send my mom chocolates and mr saturday was like okay your mom's suffering from food poisoning and you didn't send the food po- uh, the chocolates somebody's trying to kill your mom right um, and then they were talking about who would be the next in line, mm-hmm. and I can't remember.
0: It was another like cousin or someone.
1: Yeah, was he around? I think it was a male cousin. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah, was Rolling. a male
0: cousin who, of course, had proposed to her because cousin love. Because we're
1: back to saying cousin love is okay. <laughs> it wasn't okay in the Cineford mystery. Remember. <laughs> So then, um, uh, a, the, they have a seance with a spiritualist and a medium. Yes. What's the difference?
0: Um, yes. Okay. And then so <laughs> yeah, they've they start- said, yes, that's an important question, but we don't know the answer. <laughs> okay.
1: But they for a while they were talking to,
0: oh, I forgot about the seance. Yeah. So they're like, I remember cause
1: it was like, they were talking to, an Indian whose name was. Cherokee. Oh, right.
0: So I would I say like, overall, oh, Mr. Quinn is pretty light on the racism as a book overall. Right. But this one, so they're doing the seance, and some like British lady is channeling spiritual energy and then s- channels a. I don't know if it was Navajo or a different, you know But uh, no no but
1: I think she said the name of the Indian was Cherokee. Not he was and Cherokee. Like oh I type. didn't catch that like, in the audiobook. The name was Cherokee and I was like, um okay, close.
0: But yeah.
1: that's not. So basically okay. and
0: then and then yeah and then and then the speech goes into this stereotype of how a British person thinks a Native American Right. It's spirit all spirit. So, I guess the
1: question is Is this Agatha Christie saying that the medium is full of crap, or is Agatha Christie actually full of crap? And that's her idea of what a Native American would say.
0: Right. Um, Either way, it's not great. And when you're hearing it or reading it, you're just like, ooh. Right. So, the whole thing. And then um, it's worse because the narrator, who you're, you know, as a reader, you're on the team. You're on team narrator, Mr. S. And at some point, you know, they've gone to different characters or different spirits that have come through this medium, and then the the Native American voice comes back, and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to hear his voice again." And, and the narrator says that, and it's just like, "Oh no, I don't. No, this isn't good. This isn't good. Please right. <laughs> <May you> stop." <laughs>
1: but then somebody else starts talking and then they say that they are the spirit of the um, dead sister who died in that um, boat crash. Um, the sister of the lady, the one right. who originally right. asked so Mr. S lady to Barbara, Yeah. And says, Hey, I'm Beatrice. And then Mr. S is like, well, I knew you as a kid um, and gives him a
0: uh question. I actually th- I thought it was kind of ingenious so he he basically g- tests her with some like inside kid joke knowledge and she gets it like he says something something and then she says back the nickname that they like tease that old guy with which you know knowing us as kids and like us and our cousins like that's exactly how it was like oh, right we totally. might have this weird inside joke that no one outside of us kids would know. And so like, if I did that to be like, is that really Justin's spirit? <laughs> if right. He knew some kind of weird inside joke that we knew as kids. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that is Justin. Right, so It totally right. works because the spirit speaks to this inside joke that they had as kids. And so Mr. S is like, huh, I wasn't expecting that.
1: So, yeah, so then we're like, well, that's weird, because where's this? And, and the spirit says, give back what's not yours. So it's the spirit who's been attacking Marjorie, the daughter. Right. And then the lady wires that she's coming back, and then... Um, uh, but they, she has multiple places, because I think this is a place in the country, right? Right. And then she came back to London. The lady was coming back, but then she is found dead in her bath.
0: Right. So before she was going to come visit the daughter, which the daughter wasn't even excited for, but the lady's going to come and then she's found drowned in her bath. And the story is, well, she must've just slipped under the water while she was bathing and fell asleep and drowned herself. So the daughter is like, Oh, someone totally killed her and they're going to kill me next.
1: Right. So now it's like, what the heck? And then, um, so she draws up her will, um, and asks Mr. S to. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he runs into Mr. Quinn at the bells and Mon- mm-hmm, goes to mm-hmm. uh, bells and motley, and is like, "Well, shit, I'm supposed to be helping, and somebody's died, and I don't know what's going on." Right. And so he um, tells Mr. Quinn's like, "Well, maybe you don't know everything yet. You can do this." So he goes back to the house and he finds Marjorie and she's writing up her will and he sees the um, signature of the servant who was the other witness on the will. All oh,
0: right, That's how he figures it out.
1: And then um, it says Alice he, he
0: She wants him to sign his name underneath hers as the second witness. But he sees her signature on the line and is like, Alice Clayton. And then it's like, Trigger memory, trigger memory, trigger memory. It all comes back to him. Because right, he, he had like, actually kissed Alice Clayton, the maid, when they were kids. They'd like, you know, kid made out or whatever. And then he was like, wait, that lady's not Alice Clayton.
1: Right, because it was a it was an eye color thing. It was a Oh yeah, like, she had
0: yeah, she had light brown, eyes or dark eyes or whichever way it was. Whatever it is. And so
1: he's like, I remember Alice. She doesn't have those eyes. Wait not Alice. Maybe she's actually Beatrice. Um, and so then it, and then Marjorie and he kind of figure it out together where it's like, Oh, so what happened? So
0: basically when the shipwreck happened, the, the, you know, the maid died and the older daughter got hit in the head, head. hopefully by accident, we're going to go with that, that the, the younger daughter didn't hit her, but like, you know, she got hit in the head and was disoriented. So the younger daughter decides to trick her and take advantage of her brain injury and say, "Oh, yes, your name is Alice Clayton, and you're our maid, right?" And so, therefore, I get the title, right? And she had a big so scar basically on her
1: face or something from the
0: right. from the book. So crash. she basically stole this. She like what's that movie with Goldie Hawn and? It's like about trapping a woman on a houseboat who has memory loss. It's terrible. Um,
1: Oh, uh, overboard
0: overboard or desperately seeking Susan. Like, so she basically like, it's like, Oh, you're a maid. You're not who you were before. She like plants an idea. And again, I have neuroscience questions about how realistic this is, but I think it's an interesting premise. I think it's like of the thing of the plots we've heard of from now on and before, like it's in the realm so basically she's disoriented and so you orient her to a false identity. You are this maid. Right. And then you work for me. I have the title. And then she's lived this whole life this way. And then Mr. S is like, wait a minute. That's crazy because she looks so much older right. yes. than the lady. But then, and he kind of brings up an interesting point about class and privilege because he's like, is just access and in, in, station in life that much more aging
1: Right, because the lady Barbara spent all of her money to look as young as possible this whole time. Um,
0: Right, and the other, her older sister, who she's treated her as her maid all these years, looks twenty years older than her because she's been living a a harder life.
1: Right, and that also is which
0: is so screwed up.
1: And that also um, is an interesting thing to think about and I know that I've seen this like in Downton Abbey kind of stuff where they have maids who are children and they live in the, you know, the house with the family. And so it seems very, you know, like messed up. Like you could have a 14 year old maid or whatever. Cause I think these guys were like 12, 13, you know, when, like when.
0: Right, right, right. So wait. So why did this one? Why did you not like this one? I guess is it because of the sister violence? Because you're afraid that, like, when you get hit on the head, I'm going to indoctrinate you. (laughs) I guess because that you're my servant.
1: I guess because of
0: take over your life and single white female you.
1: (laughs) I I don't know because oh, and then the end of the story is they figure it all out and then they go up to the person who they thought was Alice Clayton but was actually Beatrice, and she died of heart failure after killing, yeah
0: that was one of those things it wasn't like the killer killed themselves it was like the killer had heart failure right at the climax of the story she like had okay just killed
1: her sister
0: you know she had just killed her sister and and it's interesting because they couch it not that she was doing all of this on purpose for revenge but that her like tbi was manifesting itself and making her do these things but like they didn't make it they made it sound as if she were not doing this with intent
1: right that that, it, that she kind of she had was
0: confused or but like honestly i think it was super intentional because she sent chocolates right she drowned the lady she was i was like oh no she's not confused she's very clear about what to do now she got her memory back and she's like fuck these hoes right <laughs> they've ruined my life i'm going to kill you and your daughter who've ruined my life and i can
1: get the time kept me in
0: servitude my whole life
1: yeah and um but i guess the other thing is is that um this i think of the reason i thought it was creepy and sad is that marjorie was a nice young lady
0: right right so the main character the daughter who's been hearing the voices and like yeah like she's yeah, it, she was sort of a passive victim or passive, yeah, in all of this.
1: And then the two sisters together, you know, like a one sister. Yeah, I just think it's sad, like one sister doing that to another for her whole life, you know, for years. Or her
0: whole life,
1: you know. So, because obviously, if this happened when they were in their tween years, right? And then um, she gets the title, and then she had a grown-up daughter. So she was right now they're
0: in their fifties.
1: Forties or fifties. Yeah. And so that's 30 years where she's using treating her sister as a uh servant and not having any qualms about it. Just sad. The whole that that was sad. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And now that you mention it, it is super sad.
1: So um and and in a book that has a lot of magic and romance and closure, I guess this has closure.
0: I mean, yeah. The only closure is that she's dead. Both
1: of them are dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Both moms are dead, so this girl can just be like, "Well, my mom's a terrible person, and then my aunt killed her, so she's a killer, which isn't a great type of person to be." So, so now, yay me? yeah. So now,
1: what do I do with my life? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. And yeah, there was no happy family, you know, super happy fun times at the end of this one at all
1: right so
0: that's a good point
1: so i I think that was why it's one of my lesser favorites of it because there's so many kind of cool um uh moments in a lot of these but that one was just kind of like sad so
0: yeah totally okay okay so then the next one is a love triangle
1: and yeah, the moral of the which story- I can't
0: help but cue the music from Crazy Oak's girlfriend when she talks about love triangles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the moral of the story is, don't be too beautiful.
0: Don't be beautiful, because people are crazy when you're beautiful.
1: And I, I, you know, there's other Agatha Christie stories where she does something like this. It was a, a Perot story later that has a similar premise where this woman is like. Oh, and then this other guy did this thing and this other guy threatened to kill himself and then there was this other guy, but I'm sure he didn't mean it. And you know, like this like what happens when you are absolutely so beautiful that um um yeah, that it makes people be crazy things.
0: Yeah, so it starts off that Mr. S is at the opera. A the opera. And of course he runs into Mr. Quinn because Mr. Quinn. And so they're sitting in their seats and Mr. S is like looking at the back of some lady's head. And he's like, that is the most beautiful back of head that ever back of a head did. I cannot. (laughs) So gorgeous. And it does sound super gay the way he's like so excited about her head shape. I was like, who else would be so excited about head shape? He's talking about Helen of Troy and her head shape. And then he's like, but you know, it's never going to match. She's going to turn around and her face is going to ruin it. And then she turns around and no, her face is just also perfection in the front. It's not just perfect back of head. (laughs) It's also perfect front of head. Party in the back and and party in the front. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think about it in mullet terms, but yeah. (laughs) It's party all the way around. Party
1: all the way around. But also. There's no business. She's poor. Right. right. So
0: he's like, oh, it doesn't disappoint. She's beautiful all the way around. And then he goes into like to read her clothing for filth. She's not of his class. Her shoes are white stained satin. Her dress is cheap. Like he is. She's not of her of his people. Right. and But she, she's gorgeous.
1: Um, But uh, yeah. So it's very interesting. But he takes an interest in her maybe because she's apparently got the face of helen um and then there's a the triangle happens like in front of him i can't remember i think she was at the opera with one dude and then another dude comes up and they almost fight and then um mr s is like here get in my car so you can get away from the fight and at first he's like uh, she's like, Why would I get in your car, you creepy old man? And then he's like, No, 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 trust me. I was
0: interested in the back of your
1: head. <laughs> I'm saying I'm
0: totally not into you. Like, no hetero. <laughs> I just want to give you a ride home. Right.
1: That's basically what happened. And then she says, Oh, I hope he didn't hurt him. And then Mr. S is like, Okay, which him is him? And then he figures it out. Like, he was like, You hope Mr. I can't remember the names. Um, didn't hurt, Mister. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, because Mister. So and So is nice, and he's been trying to help me become a singer. Um, but the other dude is who okay.
0: Eastney, really Eastney like. East is ba- so Eastney is the guy who's been her friend all this time, has been helping her with her career because she wants to be a singer and supporting her, and he's been basically friend zoned, right? And then Mister. Burns, Charlie Burns, is boo. So she met him more recently, and he's more working class and more like and her people. He, yeah, and he's he's not necessarily that interesting, but he's she loves him, and he seems to be keeping his shit together in the in the face of her beauty, right? <laughs> Which is in like when they tell the story of her life, she said, like you said, all these things happen, like I men are threatening threatening to kill her, threatening to kill themselves, doing you know bank people doing inappropriate things real estate agents doing appropriate things so like the fact that you know charlie burns is being a normal boyfriend is huge right and philip Eastney is been her friend since she moved to town and he's been helping her but like he's mr friend own. so those are the two guys that get into a fight over her and then at the concert and anoth- the opera
1: um, another important thing is like mr s who of course has all the Uh, He knows art. He's a patron of the arts. He asks her to sing because, you know, Miss Eastney was like, oh, you could become a singer. And he asks her to sing. Mr. S does. And she sings and he's like, oh, that's a nice voice. But no, the reason he's asking you to sing is because you got the face.
0: And the girl knows that the girl's like, yeah, I'm I'm an okay singer, but I don't have any like I'm not going to be famous. And if I if she gets rolled, it's going to be because she's beautiful, not because she has that great of a voice. It's an okay voice, right? She's Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna is everything, and her voice is fine. But we love her because she's everything. It's like the whole package.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but like, no one like needs to hear Rihanna's voice without rihanna all going with it right right, you know what i mean
1: well yeah but she's not as interesting as rihanna or as smart so that's why i was like that's true
0: that's true she's she's not as smart right okay so she's she's no rihanna but you know
1: a simple poor girl who just happens to have a face that apparently makes people go crazy (laughs) so um and then uh so he she he finds out that the, the fight didn't really happen and then he goes back and tells her. And then she's like, Oh, he was great, Eastney was great. He's like, I totally understand. You go with your boo. Um, just do me a favor. No, because and- she
0: gets engaged, she gets oh, yeah. en- engaged to-, to Burns, yeah, Charlie Burns. And then she has to break the news to Philip Eastney. And she's like, Oh, he was great about it.
1: And he just said, Hey, um, as a final gift um to me i want you to listen to this one opera on the radio and she uh, he
0: gives her a (laughs) hi-fi or whatever
1: oh yeah yeah right
0: because he He gives her a a wireless i think it's called right he gives her a radio a fancy radio for the time um and says this is the one year or what two year anniversary, whatever it is, of our meeting. So don't go out with your boyfriend tonight. I want you to stay home and listen to the opera on this Wi-Fi that I gave you. And you know, just listen in honor of our friendship. And then and she's like, cool, totally I'll do that.
1: And then also when he's leaving, Mr. S is like, oh that's a really pretty glass ornament. Um and she's like oh yeah Mr. Eastney made that too for me. Um and so this is all the big setup. And then
0: so, and then, and then Mr. S goes to a random restaurant, actually looking for Mr. Quinn. because he's like, I might run into him here, but he goes there and Mr. Eastley's there.
1: Yeah. Do we even and ever, Eastley. Right. Cause we, the only time we saw her, Quinn was in this story was at the opera at the very beginning. Right.
0: No, at the opera again, like, again, I feel like he's being pulled further and further out of the stories as Mr. S sort of embodies his energy. Right. Without him. Right. So so he goes to the restaurant looking for mr quinn but he sees mr easley there and then he has this like engaging conversation with mr Eastney, and he's like talking about how he worked in the in the in the war and nerve gases and talking about opera and how this guy can shatter wine glasses with his register of singing um And so Mr. S is really into him and thinks he's great. And she's like, he's kind of like, why did that girl choose the boring guy over this guy? Who's way smarter, way more interesting. He's a great guy. And then he's walking down the street and he's like, hold on. Music, register, shatter glass, nerve Nerve gas. gas. He gave her a radio. He gave her a a glass glass sculpture. Hold on. Oh God, let me run to her apartment. So he runs to her apartment and he pulls her out. He's just like, I know we've only met once, but get out of there. And then as he pulls her out, a stray cat goes in and dies because right then the opera plays the high note, which plays at the certain register, which shatters the glass ornament, which releases the nerve gas. And the cat dies, but the girl doesn't die. So basically, this Mr. Philip Isney had... Is a sociopath who was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll act fine with you getting engaged with this other guy," and then just if you if I can't you know, have
1: you, then no one can,
0: right? Murder you in your home, right?
1: And you know, the there's a bunch of other stuff about this. one. Honestly,
0: this one felt really dark to me.
1: Oh yeah, because it,
0: because like the whole like oh act fine and like and then like literally oh it was terrible like. It's just so evil. Like all she did was reject you, and you gonna poison gas her. Like, oh, that hurt me.
1: Yeah, I guess because the whole like men overreactively completely to being because even the term friend zone implies that all women should be available for all men.
0: Well, and that's why I use it in this case because I feel like that's the energy there, right? right Where he—that's right. his energy—and like I don't think that I think that's stupid energy. Because friends are a thing. Right. It's not but, a bad thing. But like, and that, and that's literally why I used it is because I feel like that's the energy that he was interpreting it by. Like, I can't believe she friend zoned me when I've been putting in this time on her. And she was like, oh, I thought he was a normal person who was being my friend.
1: And and then I think there was. So, yeah, I wasn't
0: using that term for me thinking that's appropriate. But I think that like, that's how he saw things. Right. Fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah.
0: But you're right. It's like, yeah, men thinking they deserve something from you. And I think that's why this one made my skin crawl. Because it felt so realistic. Like, honestly, oh, I don't yeah. know any stories of, like, sisters taking advantage of each other's concussions to get a title. <laughs> I don't know that story. <laughs> but, but like, know, well, men showing violence against women because they didn't get the sexual attention that they thought they deserved. That happens every day. Yeah, and so, like, good, this one that, really, this one got made my skin crawl. Like, this one was disturbing. And also because he just had that really smart sociopathic serial killer energy,
1: right, which right.
0: is a trigger for me. Just sort of like, Ugh, I can't with that. So this one was rough for me.
1: And it's also kind of interesting because when someone describes like, she was so beautiful that it made everybody lose their damn minds. It's always kind of weird to think about. Cause what is that? You know, because I've had friends who were definitely, so I was they're beautiful And I was at the club with them and I was the friend that guys would come up to me and go, Hey, can I talk to your friend? Hey, who's your (laughs) friend name? You know, you know, and so I've definitely been in that, but also were they so beautiful that everybody lost their damn mind? Uh, So I'm trying to imagine what that looks like. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, but I've I've had friends who were so beautiful that they didn't have a real relationship until they were much much older,
0: because they- I had one friend that was so beautiful that she just thought the the world was a delightful place. Like I remember her telling me the story, and she's just like, "Yeah, I just got off the plane, and like this guy just like helped me with all my luggage, and then I went over here, and these people just helped me with that." And I was just like, "Oh." that's just cause you're beautiful boo. Like <laughs> the world isn't like that. <laughs> well, yeah, but she, but like, that's the experience she's having in the world because people just want, you know what I mean? Like, and she's a really nice person, right? But she's also a, a gorgeous person. And so she's just having a delightful life and she thinks that that's how it is for everyone. Well, she just doesn't know.
1: <laughs> my beautiful friend. Um, and I like know we're not going to mention names because of course, um, Who knows amongst our listeners, but um, amongst our 10 listeners. All of our friends are beautiful. My beautiful friend um, was uh, the first time she ever got stood up was in her 20s. And she was like, ah, he never called me back. And it was one of those things that I was like looking her like, you know, the happened to me. (laughs) I was 14, you know, like oh you know like welcome to not i mean and it's because she started going out with people who were as attractive as she was so they weren't intimidated right because for most you know the beginning part of the dating life no one stood her up no one didn't call her back and she matter of fact most of her relationships but then i started to see them and this goes i suppose agrees with agatha christie's premise her relationships were um often very worshipful puppy dog relationships. They weren't equal relationships. She Mm -hmm. was, she was either on a pedestal or was a prop to be carried around and displayed. Um, she wasn't a person and it, you know, having a relationship with a person who didn't treat her as either a pedestal or a prop. And I remember thinking, okay, well, this is the good thing about not being as beautiful as you is that, you know, yeah, I get people who don't call me back, but I also get relationships where I'm not just like, ah, cause the worshipfulness relationships that I saw now I didn't see any.
0: That's, that's quite a word you just invented
1: there. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, (laughs) but nothing as extreme has happened in the story, but of course, you know, uh, baby egg, the Christie, um, exaggerates or um my friend wasn't as beautiful as Helen of Troy. So
0: Right, exactly. You know, I have one beautiful friend who her beautiful energy makes everyone more beautiful. Like when I'm around her, she's like, I'm so hot, you're so hot, we're so hot. And I'm like, oh my God, we are. Oh, <laughs> like I get awesome. hotter just being around her. And it's so nice. I know. Like her the her beautiful energy just like leaks out onto you and you're just like wow we're so hot <laughs> and then you leave and you're just like no it was her it was her all
1: along
0: <laughs> as an aside for this story I wanted to quote this one so at the very beginning when um, Mr. S is, is setting up why he's alone at the opera which is why he can offer a seat to Mr. Quinn when he runs into him he, had, he was supposed to go with a countess or someone fancy to this uh, opera But she had to cancel because her kids had the mumps or measles or something. And he's setting up the story of her and her children. And then uh, the quote is, her husband who has supplied her with the aforementioned children and a title, but was otherwise a complete (laughs) non-entity. I just thought it was interesting how like he, he phrased like, you know, this husband who was a her with children and a title but was a complete non-entity and I was like okay that's (laughs) it was a perfect description of a non-entity husband which people have sometimes
1: Sometimes. wait um
0: okay so the next story is the dead harlequin right
1: and um the dead harlequin I like a lot um, because it's an actual real murder mystery. And um, it, the premise is, once again, I think Satterwaite is actually in London. So, oh my gosh, he's actually in London. Um, uh, he's in London. And he goes to a, a, a gallery where he's looking at art. And because he has the magical power of being like, oh, that's actually good art. Which, you know, the magical power comes from being rich. And that's what he does all day. Um, but, uh, he sees a painting that is a, a, a house that he's been to like a rich house in the country that he's like, I recognize that house. But then the painting has a Harlequin on the floor of a room. And then the same Harlequin looking in the window and the face of the Harlequin is Mr. Quinn.
0: And so Mr. S is like Yeah. So and and yeah, so this is an up and coming artist at this gallery, and they're like, Look at this new up and coming artist. And then he's like, Huh. I know this house that's being featured in this painting. And then yeah, it's Mr. It's two Harlequins, a a live one and a dead one, looking at each other, or the live one looking at the dead one, and then its face is that of Mr. Quinn. So he's like, Okay, I gotta buy this. Clearly I'm buying this.
1: And then um Once he buys it, then, like, two different people offer to buy it from him. Two or three?
0: Right. So, first, his actress comes. He'd offered... So, before all this happens, he sets up... He invites the artist to dinner. And the artist is sort of, like, not gracious, but accepts... The
1: artist is, like...
0: He's a little rougher on the the edges, the the artist. So
1: he's like, rich people don't like me because I'm poor. So um, I'm just going to be an asshole about it. Um, So.
0: Right. Mr. Quinn interprets his behavior as self-conscious. So I'm going to be a dick.
1: Okay. You cut out again. I'm wondering what's going on with.
0: See, you cut out again. I Uh think it's you cutting out. I wonder. Are you on Wi-Fi on or Wi-Fi. the internet? I should
1: probably have. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Hopefully this doesn't happen too much. I wonder why it's suddenly happening after we've been doing it for an hour.
0: I know you do. So, know um, these things. Okay. So he's having dinner with the artist at his house because if when you're a rich patron. Right. You can make artists have dinner with you. And then a woman comes over who's a fancy actress and is like, you must give me that painting. Everybody gives me what I want. Won't you give me what I want? Because I want that painting. <laughs> and he's like, bitch, I'm not giving you this painting. In like fancy British people, like uh, very polite way of shutting her down. But he's not giving her that painting. And he's like, nah. <laughs> and like he kind of in in the narration he says like he she misinterprets that he's gonna be flattered by her little whatever you know flirting or whatever as an older man and he's like no right (laughs) not at all
1: she get he gets a call from another woman right
0: who um Yeah. So then he's in the middle of sort of negotiating with her, but telling her no, and she's not having it. And then he gets a call on the phone from the woman whose house that is, who there was actually a murder there of her husband, or he killed himself. Her husband killed himself in the house. And so this painting of a murder in her house, which probably calls to memory her husband's suicide in that house calls him and is like, can I buy that painting off of you? And he's like, girl, I got you. I already I bought it for you. Which he didn't, but he says that in in front of this actress who wants it. So basically, he's like... And then something, again, this is his intuition acting. He's like, come over right now. He literally tells her, I'm going to give you the painting, but come over right now. Which is awkward for everybody because nobody was planning on that. But she's like, uh, okay. And then- I'll come over right now. And again, I feel like in the in the progression of Mr. S's character, this is him really trusting his intuition because he didn't stop. He didn't have to ask Mr. Quinn. He didn't have any questions. He was just like, Come over right now. I know this is what needs to happen. Like he didn't even have to think about it. He's just getting really good at his intuition and what needs to happen. There was another dude there,
1: right? It was a dude who had been in the house when the murder was committed. I mean, when the when the Well, what we thought was a suicide, but it turns out to be a murder. And I can't remember why he was there.
0: And it's hilarious because at first you're not sure why this other guy is there. And the writing is pretty funny because it's saying how while Mr. S is interacting with this artist who's being kind of surly and whatever, his guest, who's who's a colonel or whatever, is looking at him like he's some rare species of jellyfish. Like... Why did you invite this jellyfish over here? Why do I have to engage with this? Like, and so yeah, it's, it's kind of the 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 writing does a good job of explaining how he's not engaged with him. He's not impressed by right. any of this, but so he's then there because that's his with, friend.
1: Yes, we have the colonel who was there when the suicide happened. We have the artist who visited the house and made the painting after the fact, but clearly got Mister Quinn energy. We have the famous actress who asked for the painting and then we've got the wife of the guy who killed himself um, who asked for the painting and they're all at the place and they're like why are we all here and then Mr. Quinn shows up.
0: Right. But even before Mr. Quinn shows up it seems like Mr. S is like ready to host like he's like I know it seems weird that you all are here right now, totally. but that's what his confidence is totally. increasing. So, even when Mr. Quinn shows up, he's like, Bet, let's do this. Right. I, I'm already started. Whereas at the beginning, he would have been like, Oh my gosh, what should we do next? Like, I feel like he's getting much more confident with like how to handle these situations and he's trusting and so his own. So, it kind of reminds me it. of
1: the very first story in the sense that it was a death that happened years ago, and they're trying to figure out why or how. And so they start talking about this rug, red rug, that was on the floor of the room that this painting was. Um, and so the painting doesn't have the red rug. It has blood. And But apparently what the artist saw this red paint, uh, rug on the f- black and white checkered floor and was like, that looks like blood. And that's when he drew the, made the painting. But the colonel was like, that rug doesn't belong there. That rug's in this other room. Um, So then they're like, wait a minute. When did the rug get moved? Oh, that night when he was found dead. So then they're like, well, that's weird. And then they start talking about the people who was there. So it was the husband and the wife. And then there was this young girl who calls out we you see him walk by and they were all dressed in costumes including I guess as Harlequin or something I don't yeah and so she's like oh hey and then right after this young lady says oh hey um, then he goes in and you hear the shot and then they find him um, in the room with the black and white um, floor and then they figure out wait a minute if he was shot earlier in the other room that has the red rug and then moved into the room where they found him or something like that, the details of it, I, I'm
0: right. It was yeah, it was this whole thing because basically, um, they someone pretended to be the guy, goes in the room, and then you hear a gunshot. But really, it was the killer going into the room, and then they moved the body in there, and there was some sort of a priest tidy hole, which, why is that a thing? I have a lot of questions um, there. But the room has a uh, hiding the reason place. The priest
1: tidy hole, yeah, so quick. Um, you know Britain about this? Had a period of time where they were like, we're Catholic, we're not Catholic, we're Catholic, we're not Catholic. You know, Elizabeth, um, uh, Queen Elizabeth, but also her half sisters, you know, this thing. And so there was a period of time um, where Mary, the the Catholics and the non-Catholics, meaning the Episcopals or what we call Episcopals, but the um, were were literally killing each other because it was illegal to either be one or the
0: other. They went to war over their very much. Oh, so it was hiding. So they don't, it was like Holocaust hiding, right. like so, hiding so that. So, yeah, it was hiding you you because you're
1: actually having a priest in your house or whatever. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, okay. 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 Because I didn't, I didn't know what that was about. So this room had one of those. So basically, the killer goes in the room, shoots, and they've hidden the body there. But he was impersonating the dead guy on the way in, so everybody thinks the guy shot himself. But it was similar to the other story where he had just, he just been, he'd just gotten married. He was living a very happy life. He was having a great party that night and all of a sudden he goes herbs and shoots himself. So it didn't make any sense. And so basically he had been killed by was that? Was- his brother. And yeah, it was his brother who would have got the title or the money or whatever next. Called And the, the woman name. who, you know, was and in then- conspiracy with him. Yeah. And so she turns out to be the artist, the actress who was coming, trying to offer money for that. And the whole, the the reason, the tell for the story was that there was no blood. So when they found him, he'd shot himself in the heart, which, first of all, no one suicides by shooting themselves in the heart. But he was shot in the heart, but there was very little blood. Yeah. And so because he'd been shot in this other room, they had moved the red rug over the blood stain and then right, moved right. his body into and this then, room. That's
1: right. And then um, the artist um painted this and had met the wife and said that she was beautiful and was a kind of a ghost because she was so sad
0: right he'd met her on a train and
1: so, yeah like he'd and met so, the wife you know, separately interesting that he made this painting and then mr quinn was there when they all comes out and the actress turns to mr quinn and says i knew you saw me so when she had killed or helped the brother kill the guy apparently had looked outside and mr quinn was looking inside like the painting did but how would the artist know because it was like years ago
0: right and that so that was really interesting because i felt like by saying that the artist imagined this agatha christie was so sort of like drawing a line that artists have a insight into these supernatural things like that even though because he didn't say he was a witness to any of this he just imagined the scene but it looked just like the murder scene and the woman who was there for the murder said I knew I saw your face there to Mr. Quinn that the artist had painted and so I felt like that was Agatha Christie saying that artists have an insight into right. this sixth sense kind of thing mr
1: quinn left without saying goodbye because at the end the artist is actually like in a good mood and like oh maybe rich people don't hate me and then he turns to say goodbye and he's like your friend is gone and i was like yeah you know clearly he was yeah he
0: totally, totally snuffle up <laughs> <the> pre- whatever. <laughs> yeah. and then and then he he wants to like he's a totally sulky guy this artist but then um Mr. S is like you know if you call up over there I think she'd like to hear from you and he's like no she doesn't I mean maybe right, she right. does yeah okay, fine, I'll go. Now
1: she just, <laughs> so the woman who was like super sad and apparently alive but dead that he had met on the train now she knows that her husband didn't kill himself that he
0: was murdered So that gives her closure. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing was about the cover story for him killing himself was because he'd also gotten, like, some servant pregnant. And that's why he killed himself. Because she found fake letters fabricated from the servant to him. And so she'd had this memory of, like, my husband of one year, who's my baby daddy. So she has a kid from him. But, like, basically he also got this other woman pregnant and then killed himself when that was going to come out. And so she'd kind of had a very tainted memory of him. And again, Mr. Mr. Quinn's role is often to write a wrong around a death and like around a memory. And so this all came out to prove that none of that was true. He hadn't gotten all a cover story. Some woman pregnant. He was loyal to his wife. Right. It was just his brother had killed him. Yeah. It was all a cover story for the murder. And so now she was like, I can move back to that house now. I can, I can bring my son there. And like, it basically lifted a veil over her whole memory of her husband. And then mis- and then Mr. S is like to the artist, right, like, right. And you so- should go see about her.
1: Right. That one. So yeah. there is a big, so was big, happy one. family like ending one. for that one.
0: Okay. It was interesting. And I, this is a total aside, but um, there is a, really creepy um murder story true story that happened in washington dc which i heard a um crime junkie podcast is a crime junkie is a podcast and they did the an episode on this um, the murder of robert Wone, um and it's a super super creepy happens to be gay murder that happened in dc and like i can picture all these places they're talking about um But the the thing that's super creepy about the murder is there's no blood with the body. Like the guy's dead and there's no blood. And it doesn't make any sense because like the injury should have caused a lot of blood, but there's no blood at the crime scene. So it reminded me of that. Because it's like, yeah, if a guy shoots himself in a heart, you're not gonna have no blood at the crime scene. Like something fishy is here. And so when 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 they highlighted that, I was like, Oh, it reminds me of that one. Yeah. Which I, I can't listen to any of those true crime ones because they just creep me out and I can't sleep at night. Which is unlike a, a British murder <laughs> mystery, which is fictional. <laughs> right, which, which, which is soothing.
1: soothing somehow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Hello. Okay. So. Alright, so we're going to pause there and move on to the next Mr. Quinn story at our next pod because we've kept these people listening for way too long now and they are ready to go to bed and or start work and or finish their lunch break or whenever they listen to us. Right. Who who, Who do you think they listen to us, Portia?
1: That's a good, is it on their way to work? Do people drive to work? (laughs) I don't know. I
0: I ride my bike. I listen to headphones on my bike and it's probably not safe.
1: (laughs) So yeah. So uh, an hour and a half of Mr. Quinn is enough.
0: Okay, so we're going to pause there and continue our Mr. Quinn analysis uh, in the next pod. So everyone have a great night and or day, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye.